People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey Iz. Hi Em. <laughs> All right, like one second before we started, I was like, so what's the deal? Do you believe Rinna? And Isabel was like, I'm actually going to refrain from talking until the mics are on. So, <laughs> so can, you, can you answer that question now that the mic's on? Okay, I was going to say, I think we should start our Beverly Hills segment with just solely what we believe and what we think is going on, like the fuck here because (laughs) this is just simply not what I was expecting nor what I signed up for. My personal take is that I believe Kathy had an absolute meltdown. We've seen shadows of the dark side of her and I just know it's in her. And I think she had a mental breakdown in some capacity I believe she said a lot of really dark things about Kyle and the show and the other women, whether it's in a fit of rage or not, it was like her moment and her guts sort of spilled out and like not not drunk words or sober thoughts, but almost in that same vein. There were a lot of articles when this actually happened in real time sort of saying other things that went down, which don't come up in this episode. So I want to table that for a second because I think it's important. I think Rinna really is milking this. I think, sure, was she shaken up? She was not expecting this from Kathy Hilton. Was she rocked by this whole fit? Yes. But I think she is totally milking it for everything it's worth. I think something about the Hilton Richard sisters, she just likes to get involved and meddle in. And I think her leaving Crystal's party was very dramatic, especially, I mean, all Twitter has been talking about for the last couple of days is how Rinna has had meltdowns of her own. She threw the glass at Kim Richards in Amsterdam, even just a couple of weeks ago when she was screaming at Sutton to get out of her house. It's not like she's a stranger to this behavior or this family of behavior. And it feels like she was loving every second of it and wanted to make sure that because it wasn't filmed, we all knew just how bad and disturbing that this was with Kathy. Right. Like, no part of me is- <laughs> You agree with all that? Well, yeah, I was listening really intently to what you said. I was sitting here. I mean, yeah, I am not doubting that something went down. I don't think that Rinna just made this up out of thin air. But 
Jesus. I mean, I, I, it's honestly, my frustration isn't even at anyone in specific. It's just like, I do not want to subscribe to a situation where what is being talked about wasn't seen because now what? Like now we're all just, you know, have to fend for ourselves and kind of have to decide based on what sounds a little bit most convincing in the confessional. This is like the antithesis of a reality show. Yeah. And it's hard because like, for me, what made it the most, I guess, validated is when Diana was saying it to Erica. I know it has nothing to do with Diana. It just has to do with her position in the group and also her being such good friends with Kathy and sort of thrown into the situation she has no reason to make that up or say yeah Kathy was raging I've never seen her like that I've known her such a long time like that to me made it more legit I think people on Twitter and Instagram who are saying Rinna is such an unreliable narrator and she made this up and she's just trying to get back like I don't think Rinna could make something like this up because it would be so easily deniable and we know that this like sort of feels like it could happen but I feel like Rinna, as of right now, I mean, who's to say what will happen? But as of right now, she's really holding back. She's sparing these details. She's not telling us exactly what she said about Kyle, except I'm going to take the family down in Bravo and NBC. Like, I need to know details. I need to know more. I need to know what she said. I need to know, was it because of the conga line? Like, was it because of the 818 tequila thing? Again, how did we get from earlier that day, her flipping out in Kimo Sabe about Rinna asking to try Kendall's tequila over hers to now Rinna is the one taking her home, consoling her, and is also now the one that is stuck with this, quote, secret. I mean, there's a text Rinna shares where Kathy sent her, like, silence is golden. You know, I'm going to keep this on the DL, basically saying you should do the same too. And it's like, how did we get here? How did we not have it on footage? And now this is going to be the storyline of the rest of the season. And we have very vague details of what happened, except Kathy was mad. I have confidence that it's going to pick up next week. But honestly, if I'm Bravo, I think this week needed to be Lisa confronting Kathy. Like everything that happened in this episode easily could have been 20 minutes and then the rest could have been the conversation where it's actually being addressed. Because what? We got one kind of meaningful or legitimate conversation between Erica and Diana where we're getting some details. But then we have 20 minutes for Dorit and Erica in a chocolate shop. Like if this really went down, I don't give a shit about Rena's confessional. I want to hear her saying it to Kathy because I feel like now the best thing that I can judge is the way that Kathy's responding. That is honestly the most telling, right? Like right now we have nothing. All we have is what we're seeing on the episode, which is a whole lot of nothing. And then Kathy's stories. <laughs> right. No, I, I just think it didn't translate. I would have been happy with a Rinna and Kyle conversation larger than that brief chit chat that went down on the plane. If this was as bad as Rinna is claiming it was and all of them know it, the plane ride I thought was going to be like this whole holy shit the morning after debrief. And it just didn't feel like that in the slightest. It was sort of like, oh yeah, like let's talk about that. She was so mad. I don't know. She's still in my house. Okay, great. Bye. Like nothing happened. Then again, like you said, I think the producers, because they know actually how bad it was, I think, thought that this episode would be so dramatic and like this whole come down and Rinna explaining the experience. And it just didn't come off that way. It didn't translate. I didn't feel the gravity of it. I was so excited and I think it had the potential, but 
it sort of fell flat because all we're seeing is how shaken up and how Rena has, quote, PTSD from Kathy's meltdown. Like, look, I am not denying that it was probably scary. It was probably a little bit traumatizing. It definitely shook her up. It was something she was not expecting or has seen before, and she had to handle it. And probably also in the back of her mind is thinking like, I am really close to Kyle. I've had a lot of issues with Kim Richards in the past. Like, I get it. A lot of it is crazy. But us as the viewers, I literally just was like, and, and tell me more, tell me more, like put me in the moment. And I just feel like, honestly, if I'm being honest, this whole thing could have changed if it wasn't Kathy Hilton. I think Rinna is scared of Kathy. She's scared of her status, her money, her influence, her status in society, just who she is as a person. So she's able to say, yes, she freaked out. She raged, but she's not spilling the dirty details yet because I think there's definitely a fear inside of her. And even when Diana is like clucking like a chicken, like say what you want, but she's right. Rinna did chicken out a little. She left early. That is not Rinna behavior. That's not the Rinna that I know at least. Well, okay, two really important things there. I think that at this moment in time when the episode was filmed, yes, I very much think she was a little bit frozen by the – I mean, assuming this is all relatively accurate. Let's just go with that for purposes of the discussion. I do think she was a little bit frozen by the status thing. But obviously that's contrasted with current day, which is she's just going for it, you know, like all over social. I feel like Rina's whole page has become an ode to taking down Kathy. But second, which is important, is in that one confessional with Dorit when she's saying, you know, listen, there's a certain kind of unspoken rule in this town where when you have a certain level of status and money, you know, people don't want to fuck with you basically, which is very true. But there was something that was so validating hearing Dorit say it because we've seen she plays to that you know she'll play to Diana a little she'll play to Kathy a little like even though Dorit herself is an elite she recognizes that there's levels to this shit and so hearing her say it like it doesn't excuse anything but it it (laughs) at least it was like she's saying it out loud right no I think the self-awareness is there to say I know I'm not Kathy Hilton. I'm new to the show. I'm new to this like town and fame and all that. And you are Kathy motherfucking Hilton. Like your daughter invented being a celebrity. So I I think she just is very aware of that. And I think it was sort of her subtle way without calling Rinna out to say, you know, we're not dealing like a neck and neck kind of battle here. It is kind of an uneven playing field and it puts Rinna at a big disadvantage. And that's why she's acting very different than we've normally seen her act when she deals with situations like this. Right. I mean, listen, let's say this whole thing was filmed and it really went down in this way. I am, as much as I really like Kathy thus far, I am fully willing to have my mind totally flipped. Like if this was documented, I would totally come on here and be like, damn, that was wild. And it really changed my entire opinion. I'm not so firm in the ground on Kathy Hilton where I can't see a change. It's just like, you're asking a lot of us when we already really like Kathy. There's already been some questionable stuff with Rinna. Like it's a really hard sell. That's how I feel.
I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, I have to assume you like celebrities and who doesn't love Jeopardy? So the show I have for you really is the best of both worlds. It's Celebrity Jeopardy on ABC. And it's really the OG Jeopardy, but with celebrities. So first of all, it's hosted by Maya Bialik, who is exceptional. And it's really a star-studded cast of about 27 celebrities, just to name a few. Simu Liu, Eliza Schlesinger, Constance Wu, Ray Romano, Michael Sarah, BJ Novak, Patton Oswalt, Candace Parker, Jalen Rose, Ike Barinholtz, Hassan Minaj, Andy Richter, Reggie Watts, John Michael Higgins, a lot of really good people. And the format's a little bit different. So it's a new format compared to its predecessor. 13-week tournament. It's an hour-long show instead of 30 minutes, which I always feel like 30 minutes is too short, so that's perfect. Three quarterfinal matches and one semifinal. Episode 13 will feature winners of the three semifinals. And then it will also feature a triple jeopardy round for the first time ever in the history of the franchise. Also, it's a massive payday. It's a million-dollar grand prize that will go to the celebrity who wins and the charity of their choice. And they really are put under the same kind of pressure as Jeopardy! contestants. So watch the series premiere of Celebrity Jeopardy! Sunday at 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I know everybody who listens to us like on a regular basis is going to probably change the channel right now, but I have to say... For like I, my last disclaimer for now, if you haven't watched Paris and Love, Paris's show on Peacock mm-hmm. about her planning her wedding, Kathy is a huge part of it, and it is if if Beverly Hills Housewives is the yin, watching her on Paris and Love is the yang. You see a completely different side of her, and I feel like between watching the two shows, you really get to know her as a person, her personality, how she is who she is, how she's become what she's become, because I think if you've only watched Housewives, you have such a specific view of Kathy that she's just this like ditzy, silly, slipping on the ice, can't say an idiom kind of woman, and that is not her. That is like such a small slice of the pie, and so I think I honestly feel bad for people who only know her as that or only watch the show just like face value, I guess, like, quote, normal viewers who aren't taking one, two, three, four, five steps deeper and going deep on social or going and watching all these shows. Because imagine the whiplash they must have going from last season where she's just like the hunky-dory, funny comedian in the corner who makes all the 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 jokes and the comments that everyone laughs at to now what she's having a mental breakdown rage and has all this anger inside of her H- how did we get from a to b well i mean first of all yes i i know you will say that to anyone who listens but i am so on your page i think paris and love was one of my favorite reality shows ever but <laughs> like hypothetically if i'm rinna I am signing people up for Peacock just to watch Paris and Love to see that side of Kathy, not because it's vicious, not because it's at all similar to what she's describing, but it at least shows you that like she may be capable of it. Whereas the Kathy yes. Hilton you see on Beverly Hills, the capability is, doesn't even feel like it's there. You're right. It's a very, very different side. It's just I'm telling. It's just a hard sell. I'm not saying nothing happened. I I truly do not believe Lisa made this up out of thin air. That's that's just wild to me. We already knew she was pissed. She's a lot of deeply buried stuff towards Kyle. But come on, like what do you what do you want from us? We're we're, we're just trying to be entertained. I know Rena was really taking this like narrative far when she was like. Kathy just is mad that Kyle has so much more fame than her, and Kathy wants what Kyle has. Like, look. 
I'm not saying they both don't have certain things that the other one may want, but like, I don't think Kathy's like jealous of Kyle's fame. So that whole thing, I just think Rinna gets really caught up in like the dramatics of it. And really, you know, when she was swaying away from telling the facts of the story and getting into her whole analysis of it, I'm like, oh yeah, butter me up, Rinna. Like I was loving every second of it because you just have to take it with a grain of salt. And it also makes me happy that we really are going to get a sit down with Kyle, Kathy, Rinna, because I think if it was only two on two, like Kyle and Rinna, Rinna and Kathy, Kathy and Kyle, there there's missed connections there. So the three of them together is really important to getting like a full fledged story and also hopefully praying, you know, getting things to a good place with Kathy and Kyle, because it hurts my heart so much when they're in a bad place. Let me tell you, I believe that if, let's say, this fit of rage happened, I believe that a lot of it probably was Kyle-focused because, like we said, you know, this shit runs deep and there's just like a certain energy that can come from a sibling dynamic. I don't think Kathy's spewing about the rest of them. I think that the ambiguity that Rinna has presented this with in terms of what she was saying about the other women is maybe to, like, gather the troops against Kathy because right to me if you ask me right now like I would say Kathy was probably going off about Kyle way more than anyone else I think it's possible she was saying things about like the show and the cast like not specific she wasn't just randomly like oh Dorit this 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 like I think she barely like knows Dorit I think she was more saying like I'm not even friends with this group I don't care about them nobody knows who I am like I'm making that up but I think it was more generalized statements about the group and the show and the group dynamic and the respect levels that's personally when I'm filling in the blanks what I see in my mind but I mean who's to say we could look back at this in three weeks and hear that she said very specific things she doesn't like about certain women or secrets that she knows about them or who who knows? I mean, somebody knows, but and it's only Rena, and we just got to get it out of her. Yeah, I, it'll. We I think that we will feel, or at least I will feel, much more fulfilled when I actually see Rena and Kathy interact. Yeah. That's what I need to see because it's not even about what Rena says. Really, it's about how Kathy reacts. Totally, totally. Yeah. Also, just in terms of the Kathy Kyle comparison, which I hate because it feels so irrelevant. Like I don't think jealousy in terms of status and money is like a factor but you know they're both rolling in it like they are both doing very well for themselves and I honestly think you know Mauricio does super super well I'm sure that on some levels he's almost maybe are approaching on par with the Hiltons but it's not to the point where the difference is so large that it would even be issue causing you know Right. I also thought it was so interesting that we really don't hear anything from Kathy the whole episode until they give her a confessional at the end. And she sort of is like, Rinna's going through a lot with her mom. I don't think she left because of me. I think she's just overwhelmed. And she she like says something about the toe that broke the camel's back. And it's like in a very serious sentence. So the producers can't jump in and be like, it's the straw. Like you're thinking of camel toe. So that's just <laughs> also just so classic. That you can't even just deny <laughs> that both sides of her can exist. I know. Well, it's so funny because when 
when Kathy's explaining it, she's like, yeah, you know, I was a little bit pissed and, and Rinna was very kind. She, she sat there kind of quietly. It's like either she is the absolute greatest gaslighter of all time, like literally the goat of gaslighting, or she has a very genuinely different interpretation of the situation than Rinna does. I know. And when Rinna says, I've seen the devil and her name is Kathy Hilton. Like, you know, she was just sitting before this confessional really brewing and coming up with like if I was gonna name a novel about this night what would it be like how how dramatic can I make this confessional so Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her, but I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, and it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the season changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. You know, the other thing that I, it's just so minor, but I just wanted to mention, I loved the Erica and Garcelle interaction. It was brief. It was to the point. I think that they both handled it perfectly. I think Erica is absolutely allowed to feel that she wishes Garcelle gave her heads up. I think Garcelle is a class act through and through and is like, you know what? You're hurt and I'm sorry. Like just how beautiful. Wait, no, someone else took over Erica Jane's body. Do you not think so? I was like, who is sitting in Crystal's new basement right now? Because that is not the Erica that I have known, that I have seen in the last couple of years. 
like handling things like that. I'm telling you, it's only because it was specifically Garcelle. It all depends on who's on the receiving end and the level of respect that Erica has for them. And also just like how she's feeling in those 30 seconds, because easily if that had come up like in Aspen, she could have flipped the fuck out. But it, it just like Garcelle happened to catch her at a good moment. And I think she breathed a little sigh of relief that that's how it went over because you could tell when Cherie was at her house before she was thinking about it. And it was definitely like hanging over her head, how that was going to go down. If anything was going to go down. Oh, uh, totally. Which by the way, can we just spend like 30 seconds on Crystal's basement? Stunning. Stunning. I was stalking the interior designer that she tagged on in Instagram. <laughs> of course. <obviously. laughs> yeah, duh. No, I mean, it, she just did a really good job. And also, if you look at the photo that she posted, like that entire wall is Casa del Sol. Yeah, no, I mean, they did such a good job. But I will say the party felt a little. <laughs> yeah like the saddest party ever and i don't think that was like her actual birthday party especially because it was literally just like five of the castmates and her brother in the basement which by the way they can't even like dim the lights because they're filming which i don't even get me started on because i'm a lighting freak so the idea of having to be on housewives where you can't turn the lights off at your parties like when ramona No, what haunts my dreams is Ramona Singer I having, I think it was her 60th birthday. She had like a hundred women, ballroom, florals, custom bar, and they had to keep the lights on 100% capacity. I wanted to crawl out of my skin and die. I I know you did. And I will tell you that if God forbid, like, you know, Instagram no longer existed, podcast no longer existed, we need to get a new career tomorrow – I genuinely think you could be hired as a lighting consultant for a lot of different situations, but specifically, I'm going to tell you guys something that Isabel excels at in a way I have never met from any other person. If you're having a person come over to your apartment or your house, in my case, if I'm having a guy come over, this has happened a time or two, Isabel will be there before and she will set that lighting to the absolute perfect setting so that wherever you are sitting, whether it's on the couch, at the bar stool, at the table, on the bed, it just hits you perfectly. <laughs> It's not too dark, not too light. It's soft. It's a, I, I literally think that you are born to be a lighting consultant. Thank you so much. So now imagine my anxiety. Like I have to have the lighting in my room perfect right now just for us to record. Like this is my record settings of my lighting. So imagine the anxiety of Crystal and everybody sitting in the basement with the harsh overhead lights and there's only like five people there. I mean, forget it. I felt really bad. And then they like one candle on the little cake. No one sings happy birthday and they leave. It it just, it's like, we're not buying it. If it's fun, it's great. But like, there's no glitz. There's no glamour. We don't need to force the party. I'd rather them all be sitting around in their sweats at that point and just chat and get what needs to happen done. I know, but you know, one, we got to see the basement, which I'm always yeah. happy about. So that, that was really fun and whatever. It gave us some good memes. Like there was that one I saw today of, uh, the night before versus the next day. And it's like Eric on the left. And I think it was like Tom Sandoval on the right. Like, you know, we got some content. Yeah, no. I mean, I love Crystal's house a lot. So I was just happy to be there. I love being in Rob Minkoff's office with like the Lion King memorabilia. So I can't complain. I I love things like that because it really reminds you, like show aside the rooting that a lot of these people have like in the arts of Hollywood. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. he, he's a, like, he's, he's a legit deal. Yeah. He's legit. Like he is a big deal. Wait, you know what I wanted to say? What? So when, um, 
Dorit and Garcelle were on Watch What Happens. Also, I didn't say this earlier. I'm like, I'm just so self-conscious about hearing myself talk. I, I don't know. Maybe you can't even hear it that much. I have a really bad cold and I'm sorry that I sound like this. I know it's probably annoying to listen to. I'm just like, <laughs> there's nothing else I can do. Um, when Dorit and Garcelle are on Watch What Happens and one of the virtual audience members asks her about the Mauricio rumors and then PK's in the audience, I was like, I, I hate that it happens for her sake, but Oh my God, watching her answer that for some reason was so gratifying. Yeah, no, it was. Because also sometimes I feel like once things make it to watch what happens live, even though they're answering them, it almost like takes the air out of the tires of Mm -hmm. like, okay, we can laugh about it. It's not that serious that I can't ask you about it on live TV. Like if there was like really any gravity to it or truth behind it or anyone thought it was like real, real, real – they wouldn't just throw it at her like while she's sitting there, you know, in a sparkly outfit drinking a cocktail. Like that's like a, a whole different set of rules. Can I say something honestly? I, I know we've spoken about this before. We had to have when this episode aired. But like I still think about when – I don't know what, what trip they were on. And Kyle says how they were at a black tie gala and she sat on Mauricio's lap in her gown. <laughs> and like they literally – not like had sex sex but – there no, was they some, had sex at a they table. Like, like to me, that is one of the wildest. Like, and I say this literally zero judgment. I actually have now inserted it into my list of like fantasies that I don't actually want to do, but I genuinely think is like so hot. Like, I, I that is so bold. No, we reference that an inappropriate amount of times. Like, I have referenced that in sex. I have referenced that in <laughs> sex with guys. I'm not kidding. I literally have channeled Kyle Richards when talking to men about like potential fantasies. I think it is the hottest thing in theory. No, like we are literally on a nine hour flight and like someone sitting on someone's lap across the aisle. And we're like, oh, big Kyle Mauricio <laughs> at a black tie event energy. <laughs> What else do you want to mention from this episode? Anything or you want to go to Atlanta? I mean, that's really all that happened. It was sort of just like this long, dramatic Rinna confessional filled in with some other filler scenes of like Erica and Dorita Comparte with the chocolatier who it was the best day of his life. He's a big Beverly Hills fan and he was just happy to be there. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I have hope for next week. I'm interested. I'm hooked. I'm, it's all not to say I am not excited and very intrigued by the storyline i just like need a little more to chew on yeah certainly need more to chew on and yeah i was happy for that guy because i could tell how happy he was you know yeah no that was like the only good part of that scene shout out to astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. 
A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. I got to be honest, and I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I kind of feel like moving forward as a general rule of thumb on Bravo, pretty much all reunions could probably be two parts. Because even when they're really, really juicy, there's so much fluff. You know, yeah. like, you know how I feel about Atlanta. I, I adore these women. I just feel like it's kind of how I felt about New York a few seasons ago in terms of like, we could have done this in two parts for sure. I, I agree with you. I think three parts, it needs to be like, full content, crazy, explosive season. I mean, we've gotten to four parts, which still, again, I don't think is necessary. Like, we don't need to talk about some of the silly stuff. I'm not here to address that. I guess they have to break it up somehow. But I always find that a part two usually falls flatter because they edit it with kind of like the less interesting. It's not the part one, which has to start with a bang and it's not the finale. So it all sort of sinks in the middle. And I just, I don't know. I feel like we covered a lot of this stuff already and it was stuff that I was not super interested this week. And I loved this season. I think it was a really funny, interesting, strong season. And this cast is pretty perfect in my opinion that it it was disappointing. You know, that's, that's all I have to say. I, came out of it. I enjoyed watching every second. I just don't have that much to like say about it. Yeah. I think that's also what it is. It's like, I I've lost the ability to, to watch these shows solely as a viewer. Cause I'm always thinking about it from like the commentating perspective. And I don't feel like I have a hell of a lot to say, even though I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, the Marlo and Kenya stuff, I think at the end of the day, if you really said to me, you can only choose one, like my loyalty is to Kenya. And I do think that this reunion, while totally legitimate in what she was saying, was a slight kind of like redemption tour for Marlo. Like I think, you know, let's not pretend like she's never said anything mean or vicious to Kenya, but Kenya was not buying what she was selling here. Like Kenya was really not holding back. So I could totally see an argument being made for like, no, you know, Kenya was unfairly coming for her, but I, I don't think that that was really the case as much as I think Kenya has a lot of built up hurt towards her. Yeah, I think it's like impossible for them to get into 
in this part of the reunion when it's so many years deep and there've been so many like little things and also big things that have affected their relationship. And they're both in such different places now that it, it can't be boiled down to just like some simple conversations they had this year. It just can't. And I'm glad they're able to like speak maturely and figure it out in this way now, but it's like, you know, how can you dig that deep into history, especially all these years when Kenya was on and off, Marlo wasn't doing a full-time housewife, so we weren't digging deep each year into it. You know, Marlo wasn't at all of the reunions or getting to tell her side of the story in a confessional. So it definitely makes that dynamic much harder to kind of get into and put in a small package to show before they speak. Yeah, and, and when Marlo says that she feels like Kenya dismisses her, Kenya kind of does dismiss her, but I honestly think that's because Kenya feels like Marlo has hit below the belt so many times that like the dismissiveness, yes, of course, part of it is petty and she's wanting to get back at her, but I feel like she doesn't feel entirely emotionally safe with Marlo. Mm. Like that one, I don't remember exactly what it was, but that one comment that Marlo made towards Kenya about like, that's why your mom didn't want you or something. Yeah. I think that one, I don't know, maybe I'm just, maybe that's not, I feel like that one really hit her. I think that's when Kenya realized like, oh, there are no limits. Like even if we get to a place where I feel like Marlo respects me and at the end of the day, you know, whatever, women to women and castmates, like I think she realized, oh, there are no boundaries. Like you're willing to stoop that low, then game over. Yeah. And clearly that's the energy that Kenya was giving here because right. I think like – after, you know, Marlo got really deep, like we were talking about last week, I would say momentarily, at least the rest of the women were kind of like taking that in and maybe going a little bit easier, whether or not they should have, I don't know. But K Kenya was just not, not into it. No, she, she wasn't at all. I think she's given it so much effort over the years and realizes like there's not even like a light at the end of the tunnel anymore. Yeah. And also a continuation to the Drew and Sonia conversation we were having last week <laughs> It's not that I feel that Drew has bad intentions. I really don't. I just think that she has some really flawed belief systems that like come out in really unfortunate ways. Yeah. Like when she's saying to Sonia, you know, well, listen, if, if you're not going to have another baby, someone else will. It's like, I, I don't think she says that to be mean. To me, it's, it's kind of sad. It's like that viewpoint, I just think doesn't center a woman's desire um, or like independence that in a way that I would hope she would get more in touch with. You know, it's like, it's personal. Like if it works for her, it works for her. But I think to then use that belief system to judge someone else's actions or the way that they're feeling is like entirely an unfair thing to do. Right. It, it almost shocks me when she has these like antiquated points of views because it, I don't know, it just like doesn't feel like it matches what I would expect her to say about certain things. And it also gets me thinking about her relationship with Ralph and how these viewpoints and whatever are probably really a lot to do with like being around him all the time and how they work in their relationship. And maybe that's why they've been able to work at all. And maybe his beliefs sort of rubbing off on her or making her, her stronger in them. I don't know. I just, I think it all is completely tied together. And I hope she was able to understand the point when they had this conversation now in hindsight. I mean, you know, let's not forget for the last few episodes, 
Ralph hasn't been looking so bad. Okay, if I was just coming in fresh, maybe I wouldn't have such strong feelings. I didn't forget about Tampa, though. Like, I didn't forget about the hell that was last season and a lot of this season. But, like, I'm I'm out on Ralph in a way in which it's not entirely irreversible necessarily. But, like, what, what's the best way to put this? I can't fully get on board with anything that Drew says in terms of her view on someone else's relationship because I think that it's like a majorly glass house. Yeah. I mean, look, it's going to take a lot more than him just bringing an ice pack out of the freezer for me to get on board. Right. Like I'm I'm not uh, jumping ship so fast. No. Yeah. (laughs) Not Sheree FaceTiming Anthony. There's, there is nothing funnier than Andy Cohen when he is not interested in the direction that a conversation is going. He will get right on in there. He's either going to answer that FaceTime. FaceTime. Yeah, he will answer it. He will hang up on it. He will dive more into it. Like, it's very funny. I just don't care about Anthony. I don't really even know what we're fighting about. Anthony clearly is a shady motherfucker. And Mm -hmm. him sitting at home... FaceTiming into the Atlanta reunion, literally shitting his pants because both of his quote former bosses are sitting there and discussing what he said to either one of them about the other. And then, you know, doubling down and saying, like, I don't recall, but it's possible I said that. Or no, I never said that, but actually maybe I said something like it. I mean, and then he just gets hung up on and he's sitting alone in his quiet room and has to like think about the potential consequences of his actions. I mean, like why they should have brought him out that would have been more interesting (laughs) andy would have never allowed that i mean when when he says you know no but i do think that drew needs a storyline that's when you knew the whole thing was manufactured the second he said that that's when him and sheree planned that i didn't necessarily feel like it was planted by him and sheree i just felt like you could tell this guy is a pot stirrer and was just people pleasing whoever's in front of him he's going to be on their side and suck up to them and He wanted his 15 minutes. And you know what? He got it. He got his own section at the reunion. He got hung up on by Andy Cohen. And I think that's really all you could ask for. Yeah, I think for him, he had a good day. Me too. And not as good a day as the guy at the Comparte Chocolate Factory, but definitely a good day. No, that was the best day of the guy's year for (laughs) sure. Maybe his life. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, hold on. We have to go back to an important element of the Marlo and Kenya situation, which is Kenya bringing up Marlo's quote real name and the arrest record like to me and I know you know her people her people to me that's low like that I'm not on board with I I think that that actually cheapens Kenya's stance even though I know Marlo has gone really low in the past I just I I hated that am I alone in that no I think you're right it does cheapen her argument because like we said before, once she saw Marlo go as low as she did with her, it changed everything. So now I think she feels like, well, all bets are off. You know, we're going to go below the belt. I understand it though, because it's probably too tempting and too hard not to like show all your cards when the moment presents itself. But I wish she had just shown restraint and not gone down to her level and almost like been an example of the way that she wants to be treated. Like, treat people how you want to be treated. I know it's so silly, but it's true. Like, I really wanted Kenya in that moment to say, like, look, this is how you can do it. I know all this shit on you, and I wouldn't say it. Yeah, and I also think, like, Marlo has done so much in current day to piss you off and that you can be genuinely upset and critical of. Like, why do we need to go back 30 years, right? Like, she has worked so hard to 
kind of get away from that. I mean, obviously she always carries it with her in the sense that I think it's been really motivating for her, but like, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't love that. And I, you could see Marla was really pissed, like more than pissed. Like I, I think she was appalled and like it, it hit, it struck a nerve for her, you know? Right. Like aside from it cheapening her argument, it also was completely irrelevant and it didn't even add anything. So she, it was kind of a lose lose. Yeah. Yeah. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. This is a pretty anticlimactic episode of Southern Charm, but that one brief moment where Naomi and Whitney kissed... Take me out. Sparks were flying. Am I wrong? <laughs> like the way it feels like if they weren't really hooking up, she wouldn't have been so comfortable to just like grab his neck and start literally sticking her tongue down his throat and him completely reciprocating, you know, like he's not smooth like that. And I just, I felt it. I don't know if I felt it or if I just like 
needed it to happen. Like I, I told you, my curiosity was taking me over. So to actually see it. And it wasn't just us. I think Austin and Olivia were also us in that situation of like, holy shit, this is real. They felt probably so lucky that they got to witness it. Obviously, I know there's a whole camera crew there, but it's almost like when you're just like a boy girl like party and there's like a seven minutes in heaven and you catch the two people kissing. It's like, holy shit, I saw it. Like you run off to the other friends. I was so jealous of them, even though I was on the other side watching it. I just felt like, oh my God, you guys like saw a unicorn. I know. I know. Wait. Okay. Let's let's talk about the other aspects of the Naomi thing here because continuation. Oh, do we have Craig, to? I just want to talk about her and Whitney kissing. I know. Well, wait. The moment when Austin's like, "I wish you were my ex." <laughs> no, that was funny. Like, I love when he just like subtly shady mentions Madison because like, where the fuck is she? Like, literally, she fell off the show. Wait, 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 wait. We got to read Danny Pellegrino's tweet that you sent me tonight. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny Pellegrino tweeted tonight, it's so wild to me how Madison was in mainstream press last year because of her A-Rod thing. And then production decided to lean into scenes with Marcy doing maternity exercises on Southern Charm instead. <laughs> and to that, I say no notes. It's a very big cast going on. And I think to Danny's point, everybody sort of feels like a friend of, except honestly for Shep, Craig, and Austin. Like it feels like the Shep, Craig, and Austin show and Naomi who are carrying it all on their backs. And then everyone else is sort of just like a ploy, a plot in the game. Yeah. <laughs> and and honestly, even though they are three of the most immature men you've ever seen on reality TV – they can carry a show. Like you could watch theoretically an entire episode where Craig, Shep, and Austin are just in the car. Yes. Not saying that's like what I would prefer, but they're entertaining. They're entertaining. Like they're, while being wildly embarrassing at times, they're entertaining. Which also, I feel like we are so kind towards Craig, but at a certain point, it's like, come on, like you gotta, you gotta just not storm off in this way. It's, no. it's what is like. Right, He is his worst self when he's drinking and around Naomi. And so to be on a trip where all they're doing is drinking and being together in a large group, it's like it's really bringing it to him down. And I don't think it's acceptable that he could ever act that way. But I also think it must be really hard to like be around a trigger in this way and like feel this way at all times for him and being on camera and being around like Shep and Austin who also like really sometimes pushes buttons and rub him the wrong way and it's not an excuse but I just think like that's what we're seeing because then as soon as he gets back to Charleston and he's in his own environment or when we see him around Paige he's like a completely different person I almost want to say to him like I know you're doing all these renovations on your house I love South Carolina myself as well. But like maybe New York would be better for you because I feel like he gets so consistently triggered in, in Charleston, you know, like the people yeah. that are the closest to him just don't necessarily bring out the best side of, of him. I know. I mean, we don't know what it's like when he's not filming, but I'm, I'm a big advocate for anyone moving to New York and I think it would benefit Paige. So obviously I'm team. Let's get Craig to New York. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone wants to start that petition. <laughs> also, wait, the Chef and Taylor stuff and, again, Austin getting involved, which, you know, the thing that I will credit Austin for is 
last week he had this conversation with Taylor privately when they were in the shoe store, which I think we were really happy to see. And then this week, it's not like he did that almost in silence and like wouldn't say it in front of Shep. Obviously, it wasn't as eloquent this week and it was like in the heat of the moment, but he's still willing to tell Shep to his face that like he doesn't at all approve of the way that he handles anything with Taylor. Right. I just thought it was hilarious when Austin, Olivia, and Taylor were playing the drinking game while they were listening to Shep and Whitney's conversation because they know them so well. And instead of like really taking everything they overheard seriously, they were like, yeah, we know how this is going to go. We know the advice. We know that Shep is going to say some stupid shit. But also when Shep came in the room, his, his attitude felt very different. Like he really flipped a switch. And I think he had gotten so fed up with everybody talking about them, which by the way, if you don't want everyone talking about you, like don't be such a fucking asshole to your girlfriend, especially around a group of people who care about both of you. But I don't know. I wasn't expecting that sort of mood when he walked in the room and started whispering to Taylor in front of everybody. Yeah, he almost like reverted back to potentially like a childlike self. It was almost mm-hmm. like he was a boy that a little boy that got in trouble and now he was trying to like be cute to make up for it. It was You can really see, like, in that scene when him and Austin were screaming at each other, like, Shep's immaturity is, is big. It's, it's overwhelming, actually. He wasn't being cute, though. I thought he was, like, saying, I hate everybody talking about us, like, this sucks. You know, like, everybody's eyes are on us. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It was, I don't, wait, let me be really clear. No part of me felt that it was, like, cute or, or, like, endearing. I'm saying I felt that he, like almost didn't know how to handle it and like yeah. reverted back to, you know, like he was like putting his head down. I, yeah. It was just, it's like, in I theory. I want to slap him across the face. I know. It's like, in theory, these guys have the potential to be so fucking hot. They're so tall. They're wealthy. Like they have so many of the making. And of, they're charming. Of, and they're charming. funny and smart and charming. Like, it's just like, I want to literally, ugh, I want to put Shep and Tristan Thompson and like, a couple other guys just in a room and say, figure it out. Wait, and Adam Levine? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. come on. We, we, we can't put Shep on the level of, of Tristan and Adam no, Levine. No, I'm That's- just – I'm making it more um, a big, like, scale of, like, guys I just want to slap across the face. Well, coming – <laughs> In no. a non-sexual way. In a non-sexual way. No, come, Although, listen. I don't know. No. Some of them go – some of them go both ways. Not Tristan. Coming off of the – Kardashian episode from yesterday where our hearts were literally being broken into for Chloe. Like I said this in the episode, I I don't experience hatred as an emotion and I experience it solely for Tristan Thompson. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Shep doesn't fall in hatred at all. This is solely just like a list of guys who might just need a little like slap across the face and get it together. Yeah. But, you know, I was really surprised that Vanita and Naomi were going at it. Like, that was just not on my bingo card of two people that I thought would be feuding. And, like, Naomi was wrong here. First of all, I don't know. To tell your friend to shut up, especially in a public setting, is just, like, to me, not cool. But second of all, yeah, maybe should Vanita have not, like, gotten involved in that moment? Yeah, but I, I don't feel at all like she had bad intentions. I felt like she was just trying to kind of mediate the situation. Yeah, no, I think Naomi in that moment really felt like it was Vanita taking a side and like by her 
in any way supporting Craig. It was sort of like knocking her down and making her argument look weaker and not supporting her, which like I understand in the moment her feeling that way. But I think after reflecting after, especially when Vanina is like, no, I just wanted to like sort of simmer it down at the table and you weren't hearing him. It felt more to me like her acting as a translator when she knows Naomi so well and she's hearing what Craig is saying and it's not being received, like putting it other in other terms to sort of help her like, all right, let's keep this moving kind of. And like, you guys aren't speaking the same language. And I just think even your best friends are allowed to have a different opinion or allowed to say things like that. Maybe because she'd been silent the whole time and all of a sudden is chiming in to support Craig. It was hurtful, but I don't know. I just feel like they kind of made up, but it didn't really feel sincere. And I just think Naomi was upset about a lot of different things that that was just kind of like, as Kathy Hilton says, the the toe that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Like I'm not saying that if I was Naomi, I wouldn't be a little bit annoyed either. Cause I think it did come a little bit out of left field, but the issue is that both Naomi and Craig take this as such sides where it's like, Vanita's not on a side. She's just on the side of resolve. Like everybody just wants there to be resolved because it's not a pleasant environment when they're together, which is significantly more Craig's fault. Like I would say it's probably an 80-20 or 70-30 in terms of Craig or Naomi and who's more in the wrong in these moments. But like Vanita's not trying to be on his side. She's just trying to make it pleasant. Right. I I know. I agree. I think it was like something out of nothing and I don't want them to fight because I think like we need them to be solid in order for things to work. Yeah. And you know what? I am not above critiquing Madison LaCroix. Like she is messy and not really pure intentioned and all of a lot of other things, but she makes for damn good TV. And I wouldn't mind, you know, just riling Austin up just, just a little bit, nothing crazy. Just just like for popping in to say, Hey, just yeah. pop it into say hey, that's all. Which I guess will happen next week at Craig's dinner. I damn sure hope so. Yeah. Anyway, this listen, we always say there's some great weeks, there's some not so great weeks, a little bit anticlimactic, but me and you still get to talk for an hour, which is like my happiest place. <laughs> and guess what? We're slowly approaching Salt Lake City, Potomac. I mean, the world's our oyster here, so it's what happens. It's a circle of life. Circle of life, baby. I'm so excited for both of those. That's Me too. Big Rob Minkoff vibes, no? <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, also just like hilarious. <laughs> My dad watched Southern Charm with me. And like 30 minutes and he's like, all right, I got to go upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't do that. Like making someone watch Southern Charm, let alone like a really messy, mediocre episode, just – puts a bad name on what we do, you know? Like, you need to show him, like, a highly produced Housewives, like, reunion special dinner party episode to really understand, like, the gravitas. Yeah, like, I got to show him a Giselle Karen Potomac feed. A hundred percent. Yeah, okay, we'll add that to the list. (laughs) Well, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. Remember, we're off all of next week, and then we are back until the end of the year then we love you guys let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant and kind of you know for many of us we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy 
that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.